This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart. I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. This episode profiles Lauren Luloff. Lauren paints and draws with bleach on textiles like chiffon and old bedsheets to make large-scale paintings that feature dynamic shapes, geometric patterns, and botanical drawings made from observation. Fabric forms are stretched and layered throughout the compositions and play with opacity allowing light and our gaze to go straight through the work. Intermingled are her skillful bleach drawings of flowers, trees, and patterns that operate like visual anchors then introduce the viewers to dialogues between color and mood edges in mark making. The work is full of wonderful craftsmanship and touch and prompts viewers to consider cycles of regeneration and fleeting beauty. We recorded this conversation at her studio in the Bed-Stuy section of Brooklyn. So specific and yeah. no one else is going to yeah. think of asking yeah. these things. But talking about one's work, you know, it runs the gamut. I know people, and I'm sure you do too, that are completely uncomfortable talking about their artwork oh okay and it's hard you know it's a bit of a paradox because we're visual people we are most comfortable communicating with images or by making things and then putting them in front of people um talking about them is a whole nother can of worms yeah that's true and i talk all back and forth on whether or not i think it's important to be able to um articulate your ideas or you know is it one of those things where we 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 don't have to own up to much or like art is one of those things that's free of some sort of responsibility sometimes yeah. and we can float in that mist and mystery and yeah. some people like really thrive in that and that's where they where they want to be um, but you seem like you are comfortable talking about stuff well i think also like cuz i just put up a show and i um, i apl- did some applications for mm-hmm. some various grants and things so I've been but also like throughout the process of making the show like I I am sort of talking to myself about what I'm doing Uh and what it's about or I'm noticing where my mind is going and so I sort of have been more verbal about Uh um, this project and uh, I think also like when you're going to have a show you do feel a sense that you have to defend it or be able to know why you're doing things yes. so i think i became more verbal in the process of preparing for yeah. the show just in my mind yeah i think that's smart you know i i find myself forming my language for what i'm doing when there's something to be accountable for a show yeah. an application a class i'm teaching i yeah. better make sense and a little bit at least for what i'm about to try and share so yeah and even just being aware of the parts that aren't articulate is yeah. like oh it's nice that that part is a mystery yeah. or that part is more ambiguous right. or um or just not even knowing like you might not have an answer for yeah. that section of your work or why you did that and i think that's yeah. okay yeah i think i think it's good i think it's good to be nonverbal too mm-hmm. um i wanted to ask you an arguably heavy-handed question but I think it's good to check in on some of the stuff sometimes. And it's a big question. And what is painting to you? That's a hard one to yeah. start off with, but I wanted to put it out there and see, see what your response was. I- yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting question, like right now. And um, 
also, I guess that's why I'm asking. Yeah, and to, and to me, mm -hmm. because I don't use paint. Um, but I completely think of these as paintings, and I also think of the ceramic pieces as paintings. Jeez, um, I should have thought more about your questions no, before. No, no, it's fine. Um, I don't know. I guess for me, painting involves the body. It involves movement. It involves um, liquid. It involves color. Uh, those are sort of the essential qualities that you would be moving your body using liquid and a brush or your hand, something to m make a mark. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I feel like it's it can be so many other things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's like a record of movement, a, a recording of that movement. Yeah. Um, I would throw in, it's, it's typically object-based too, right? There's a thing that There's we can hold thing. at the end of it. Not always, not always the case, but usually. For uh, me, the body's always been like a huge, um, huge player. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, like your body makes your painting, but I feel like um, every mark you make somehow is describing something inside of you. Mm -hmm. And even I, yeah, I'm looking at my painting that's um, has these geometric patterns, and then also has the, uh, you know, more lifelike tree and. What it reminds me of is these self-portraits I drew when I was like 12 years old. Like I, I really recognized my line. I really recognized the personality of my sure. hand and the emotions from, you know, those really important early self-portraits when you're like 10, 12 years old and you're discovering that you love to draw and that you can draw your emotions. Like those, I feel like those kinds of self-portraits um, is where I really developed my sense of drawing in line mm -hmm. and, and then I see that in everything that I do it just that never really changed yeah so in drawing a tree I see I just see myself um, and in drawing the geometric forms I see my quirky awkward personality sure um, so I feel like uh, I feel like your body just holds everything in and then when you paint you kind of let a little bit of it out and people get to feel that and mm -hmm. you know back to what we were just talking about about the mystery like I think that's why painting is so effective because people feel they feel things from it too they don't just know things or they can't describe everything but they also just get that feeling that is a little bit more um, from your body right right I wonder if we could talk about how you a little bit about your process to follow up yeah. kind of the, the what you how you define a painting and one of the things you said in that in in your description is that you um you're not always using paint on a brush so to speak you're 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 dyeing fabrics you're using bleach to take away pigment right so it's a it's a subtractive thing as opposed to mm -hmm. an additive thing um but your process isn't isn't quote unquote you know paint brushes and paint and canvas it's there's collage there's there's cutting things up there's uh drawing is a observational drawing is a big uh component in your work at least from yeah, where i definitely. sit um and and then and then uh assemblage is also plays a role in that you know that's connected to collage but uh could you just walk me through how how you how you realize these things? Yeah, yeah, they're um, they're very uh, kind of step by step. The process is like long and um, has like three main components, I guess. Um, first, I work outside and I work under a tree or by a flower, mm -hmm. 
and usually I'm in like the graveyard by my house or and in, this is in Brooklyn yeah okay. yeah out in Bedsty. there's this incredible well that's what my show is named after the evergreens is right. the name of the graveyard it's this, like it's really like a holy place yeah it's so beautiful it's like rolling hills and like it's like the most life-filled death place it's like yeah it's so awesome there so I go there, I spent like, you know, two years going there in every possible weather that I could handle uh -huh. going in and just like sitting under trees and painting them from life with bleach on uh, used bed sheets. So real quick, you're folding up all your fabrics because fabric and sheets and it looks like scarves or... Um that's like chiffon chiffon like you're folding these up and bringing them with you yeah just the bed sheet just the bed sheet yeah with a little jar of bleach and some brushes for jars of bleach for, okay <laughs> i'm just trying to get a sense of your kit yeah, like yeah it's really kit. easy it's like yeah. you, i take my mask my little four different strengths of bleach mm -hmm. three brushes and that's it like a glass like a jar of water to drink mm -hmm. and, and then you're just looking observing yeah, and, re just, and just draw from life like sure. you know van gogh or something uh -huh. <laughs> with, a, with an easel you know but i'm on the ground right and with bleach there's sort of no turning back you yeah you are committed yeah and sometimes like you know something will spill um and that can be sad uh but sometimes it looks better anyway uh -huh. um but yeah you commit and also sometimes you have to work back into areas to get the really bright whites um mm -hmm. but yeah it's definitely you don't go back. You yeah. just go forward, and it's it's a burning. It's burning the f the fibers as well as the color right. away, um, and revealing you know the dye pro the chemical dye process. You get these colors that are like not um, what what you would suspect. Like the one I'm looking at is two different black fabrics, black and gray, mm -hmm. and inside one black is like brown and gray, and inside the other yeah, there's gray. like a rose color coming through. I mean that has to do with the 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 physics of the pigment. Yeah, that's the, that the fabric's been soaked in when you bleach it. What's sometimes it's like a blue that black that fuzzes out. Yeah, sometimes it's a pink. Yeah, it's always um, a surprise. You yeah. don't know what yeah. you're gonna get. And I imagine there was a bit of a curve with learning this technique. Oh yeah, like yeah. the first ones I made were really the bleaching technique. I mean, yeah, we're just very you know, whoa, this is making a mark. Yeah, like look at this mark, and then it was like, oh, wow, like when I first put the bleach, it's yellow. But then I lose that yellow and it gets to white. How can I keep that yellow? And then I learned you could dilute the bleach to mm -hmm. get the diff to keep those different tones. Um, and then the drawings just got, you know, they were kind of, um, I'm like looking around to see sure. examples, but they were more graphic or even when I drew my plants, it was like more graphic and simple. And now they're like, I'm, and I also at first wasn't sure when I was using the brightest bleach, if I was going to draw the dark line with that mm -hmm. or use that for the brightest line right so that was something i really struggled with in the beginning like what was i going to draw right um and then so you you bleach you do these bleach drawings on fabric in a cemetery you bring them <laughs> back to the studio yeah I mean, i'm wondering what the next step yeah, is yeah so i usually work for a couple months like three months at a time on each step so mm -hmm. for three months i'll draw you know, as many trees and flowers as I can get. And mm -hmm. then um, I'll also work in the studio drawing patterns, although sometimes that comes later. If I need a pattern, I'll draw it. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of amass all of these. You're making materials. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm making parts for paintings. Sure, sure. Um, and it's so nice to make paintings that way, to just make parts and not have to, at every turn, try to think of the whole. You just make a part, and it's kind of... 
And then it's sort of magical to work them together and see what remains and what you don't use. Yeah, I think that's one of the more powerful things in your work is all these different parts colliding in surprising ways and these different relationships between materials, colors, technique, shape, transparency. You know, there's areas of your paintings that you can see right through and and depending on the light source activates it or brings it to life in in a new way. Um, yeah. Um, and the other thing I, I just thought of is, you know, if you, you, you're out in nature drawing these plants, it's mostly botanical stuff, right? It's trees, yeah. it's plants, flowers. You're racing against yes. life like yes. that. that yes. This thing's going to gonna wilt about. and it's going to, it's fleeting. And there's a tradition of that with like, I don't know, Dutch still life Flemish painters. Yeah. Like they those like really ornate floral paintings with yeah, like skulls exactly. and bugs in them were all about mortality and uh, not all about, but that was a big part of it is this like fleeting beauty and thing and this race. And there's often like a, uh, an, oh, an, uh, hourglass. an hourglass, yeah, totally. like on, like just below the, the floral arrangement. Um, I mean, it was sort of, almost illustration in a way, but I wonder if there's some of that. In, oh yeah. In I mean, these. it's such a huge component, especially, yeah. um, with like the, f- the flowers in the garden. I ha- I have like this community garden on my block that, um, this older man, um, is just grows these incredible flowers. The f- garden is like bursting with all these flowers. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, you know, I really am racing when I'm in there. I'm like, oh, the flowers are blooming. I got to go. And I have to like, you know, I can only work for so long yeah. because um, it's exhausting trying to get draw from life and get details. Sure. But I know that I really only have about three days and that in one day, the flower, even just the next day is so different that it's almost unrecognizable. And I mm-hmm. have to see, oh, what happened to that branch? Yeah. What happened to that part? Um, and there's no urge to like take a snap with your phone. A oh, picture. No, no, I just work from life. So you really want to honor yeah, the, the it's, real thing. I need to see it in life. Like pictures yeah. won't work because I need to see like what's fuzzy and what's clear from light coming through it. And they're dropping their blooms every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> it's really intense. Yeah. And actually, oh, we're not, we don't have the paintings here. Um, but there was one painting where as I started it, it was, it's a yucca filamentosa, this huge, tall, crazy white flowering plant. And at the beginning of the drawing, I had all of these, um, like, blossoms. And as I get, you know, a couple days down, lower and lower into the drawing, like, all the blossoms are dropping. So you just have these little stems instead of what was there a week ago when I started. Sure. Um, Maybe real quick, we could talk about how you assemble these. So you make all these different pieces. Yeah. And then I, I make the different pieces and then comes like the next part, which is about another three months or so of just kind of hanging them on the walls, looking for kind of combinations to occur. Still not stretched. These are loose pieces. Yeah. Almost like laundry on a clothesline or something. Um, they used to be more so like that. Okay. And there are, you know, the the clotheslines are there. That's why I was asking. Yeah, when yeah. they're drawing, because I have to wash oh, them right. sure. and, and also wash them with something to remove all the bleach residue so uh-huh. it doesn't continue to eat itself. Um, but it's more like I just tack them, like the walls are then covered from floor to ceiling with the different patterns and plants. And actually, it's less so like that. I feel like that was more how I made them in the past, but now it's a little bit... I'll just hang the main um, tree drawings or flowers on the wall and then just keep 
trying all the patterns around them or, you know, just it's so much moving, climbing sure. up on the ladder, sure. taking this down, moving it here, flipping it around. Yeah. Like it's, it's responsive. You're re responding to this shape relative to that shape and looking yeah. for those dialogues. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a long, that's a really long process. Yeah. And that's like classic painter decisions, I feel like, or design yeah. and composition decisions, not necessarily painter, but I'm thinking of like a painter stepping back and looking at that corner relative to that corner. It's like that, but you're moving these sections around. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And then also adding the layers of um, the transparent fabrics and uh, yeah, it's sort of, it gets very confusing at that point. It's like, mm -hmm. who goes first? The pattern, the color, like, is this gonna go over? Is this gonna go under? And it's just, it's just really, um, it's just a lot of physical movement. I sure. just have to keep moving them and moving them and moving them yeah, <laughs> for yeah. months. And sometimes I don't find the combination. I have to put it away for yeah. like, you know, six months or a year and then try again. Sure. I can identify with that. I mean, my, my work is, there's a lot of moving pieces around and yeah. making pieces very similarly. And yeah, at a certain point I'll, I'll like look at my calendar and it's been months before I've made a decision yeah. and I start, I start being, I get upset with myself a little bit. Like you gotta commit and you've gotta like <laughs> choose, make a choice and move forward and move forward. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's like that dilemma of options. Like there's yeah. endless options, and, yes, you, and, you, and we're searching hard. and chasing for um, what satisfies us the most. And yeah. maybe this is a good segue to, to enter into that like satisfaction aspect. Like yeah, yeah. When we're satisfied by these things, and and what exactly are we chasing, and where's the end, and do we make a choice or like commit to the arrangement? while we're talking, you know, talking about your paintings. Yeah. And the next one is like an attempt to be better than the last. I mean, where do you fall in that sort of trajectory of Well, they stop, they stop hurting to look at, you know, at a certain point it's just like, ah, it's like, it's relaxing. Maybe yeah. there's a couple of things you're like, oh, I wish that was a little bit like, I mean, I just have this one painting to look at right now, but um, it seems like it's, that's how, that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's well said. <laughs> it, it's, it's surviving. I'm not yeah. upset with this thing. No. It's not bothering me. No, and I can see my drawing, which is what I really want. I want the drawing to be visible. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to get muddled by everything. I want everything to support it. Mm -hmm. um, sorry for the train. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think that's... For me, I, I do like my paintings to be really complicated in a certain way. Like, I want there to be a lot of information and juiciness and lots of color. But I also, um, I really do cherish this time drawing. Sure. And I want to let that um, be visible because it's, that's, you know, the basis of these works. Sure. Uh, one of the, a, a, a common question I have for this project or what artists are thinking about while they're working whether it's a mix of the task at hand or if their work allows them to wander emotionally and psychologically. Um, I don't know, can you, is there, is there stuff that you think about yeah. or get lost in while you're making these? Yeah, well, it's really interesting because um, it's so location specific. Like this, the way that I feel or things I think about can be really linked to a specific place on the ground mm -hmm. that I'm sitting and I'll go back to that tree again and I'm there I am again back in this frame of mind thinking about these certain people or the situation um, it's almost like the act of drawing will unlock something in my past or in my memory and I'll really get deep with it and that's what I'll think about kind of the whole time I'm drawing it and then if I happen to 
I draw my trees usually many times. I go back to the same tree mm-hmm. over and over at different times of the season. Um, and it's so weird. I'll sit on the ground and I'll just be flooded with the same the same story will just come up again. I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. it's just really strange. And I go to a different tree and I'm thinking about something totally different. Sure. It's like very, very weird. So it's usually, um, I am definitely struggling with the drawing, trying to figure out how to make it like how, how to draw these intricate details, but yeah. also be able to draw enough of the tree that it's really um, represented. And so like so, uh, my mind is definitely working on that. But sounds like technical considerations. Yeah, I mean, I just haven't, like drawing. Yeah, articulation, I haven't drawn yeah. much in my life as an artist yeah. besides the last few years. So okay. I'm sort of figuring it out, and then at the same time, I'm just like working on these weird, like relationship things with people, like just different people in my life. Just sit with me, and we just kind of talk to each yeah, other. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, yeah, the spirits that come through while we're working on these things. Yeah. Uh, it can be, it can be intense sometimes. Um, you know, you've mentioned drawing a few times and I'm one, and you said that you just started drawing relatively recently. Yeah. Um, do you also, do you keep like a drawing journal? Like it's all just bleach on fabric. There's no like pen and paper on the side, no supplemental anything. It's just straight in. Yeah. Yeah, no, no sketching. I sketched yeah. when I was younger. I, I did love to keep sketchbooks, and they would be really layered. I loved to draw people and faces. Mm-hmm. I would even like go to bars when I was much too young to go to bars and like draw really vigorously like all of the different characters that I would meet, mm-hmm. um, and give them their give them the drawings. Sure. Like I just was really passionate about drawing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did do a series of these paintings of people too. Yeah. Um, where'd you grow up? Uh, New or Hampshire and Pennsylvania. We have that in common. I'm from New Hampshire, oh, too. Oh, that's so cool. What part? Uh, Not to go too down that no, road. No, it's important. Yeah, Dover is by Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. That's where UNH yeah, is? Yeah, that's where my okay. dad um, Well, that, that, you know, I'm starting to make a connection between, you know, we're just talking about place and being affected by place and the memories that come with place while you're drawing. Yeah. There is a natural... Um, uh, through line through your work there's plants and even some of the earthy tones I think yeah. about the environment and nature and I associate all those things with my upbringing in New Hampshire yeah it's so beautiful but, there yeah and now you're in Brooklyn a more urban place is there any conflict for you between like making stuff that's more nature-based but living in a crowded city or how do you square that or are they feeding to feed into each other in an interesting way well i feel like i have so much anxiety about years and years of my life getting like kind of sucked away living in a city with not nearly enough nature for me Mm -hmm. like it's really suffocating and you know i have a baby now and i walk him two miles down broadway this like terrible loud busy, street. busy street yeah. yeah with so much you know suffering so much you see so many people with substance abuse laying on the sidewalk and here i am with my baby and the trains roaring overhead and it's really stressful it's very stressful so yeah. i feel like you know the time that i spend in the graveyard it's so funny that a graveyard would be such a you know relief to me but it is such it's a heavenly place yeah. for me where I'm really just in this glorious world of plants that are very well cared for. They're spaced out enough that 
they can get so huge these trees they're mm-hmm. like amazing um yeah because my childhood i spent all my time outdoors and going to the beach and going to the woods and going to streams and meadows like that's mm-hmm. you know that was always a place where i replenished yeah it makes sense that um you found this sort of protected natural place at a cemetery in a city i mean it's either a park which um you know you've got prospect park or, or grand i mean uh, central park um, or the small neighborhood parks, but those can have too many people in them sometimes. Yeah, too many Cemeteries people. are quiet spaces, so it makes sense to me that you've sort of gravitated or like landed in those places as a environment in which to think and work. Yeah. Um, do you remember, like, is there a gateway into art for you as a young person in New Hampshire? What, well, what brought you in? I just always did it and I didn't think it was a big deal like I always sat in the kitchen drawing or and then when we moved to Pennsylvania when I was 10 I just remember spending all my time drawing like you know drawing like pictures of girls in dresses and like different types of dresses and uh just whatever you know that was like an obsession at some point and then drawing faces and flowers you know just yeah. what you know I just like to draw it was like not a big deal to me and then I feel like um, people really were like responded well to what I drew and that kind of, I always thought it was funny. Like I didn't really care that much. I loved to do it, but it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like people really, um, like my family and also teachers were like, oh, this is, keep going, keep right. going. You and had that support underneath you. Th- yeah, I got a lot of support. Uh-huh. I really did. And that kind of made me take it more seriously. Um, yeah. I was sort of pushed in that direction, which... I'm so grateful for. Sure. And what brought you to New York? Painting. Painting. Yeah. So art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just that. And did someone in New Hampshire, I'm just curious because I'm like rebounding my experience. Yeah. Like, I didn't know anything about New York or the quote unquote art world in New York as a kid. And I sort of figured it out as a student. Yeah. But did, I mean, where did that seed get planted for you? This idea that like, if you want to chase some sort of something that resembles a livelihood through your art, like yeah. a place to maybe try and do it is New York. Where did that, yeah, well, I that came, narrative enter for you? Yeah, I came later. I came like after college. Yeah. So uh, that idea, I mean, I have family, have always had family in New York. Okay. So I came to New York like every, you know, several times a year um, and even to the city, um, Long Island in the city. So I was used to it and I never particularly loved New York City I wasn't like oh I love it but I knew it was the right place for me even as a little kid I was like I know I have to be here I don't know why okay but I didn't I wasn't like this is beautiful I just knew that it had something for me Uh and then um I guess just in college like learning more about in I went to Penn State in Pennsylvania just learning more about um well just becoming more interested in being Mm-hmm. a professional artist and then I came with my teachers as an assistant to one of them to work on a project mm-hmm. we stayed here and that um, that was awesome it was the first time like working as an artist in the city and you know like everything was new like going to like you know this fancy deli with a salad bar to get lunch mm-hmm. like that was like something you just wouldn't do in Pennsylvania like just I don't know the the way the commerce is set up in New York and the hours of things like the subway like everything was like this whole different way of life sure so I got to practice that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then I thought oh you know I'm gonna go there as soon as I graduate so I did Um, 
let's get back to the art. And I, like this is a, maybe an exercise that I try and do, and I want to present it for you. When you're in here by yourself, alone with your work, I'm curious what, what the work means to you when you're alone and what you feel when you're alone with your work because I'm sure, and I could say what it means to me and I'm sure other people have, you know, there's been writers that have written about your work. Um, I'm curious what, what they mean for you. I think um, that's sort of where it becomes like more of the mystery okay. where it is more feeling based. Mm -hmm. um, like we're sitting here with this, I have one painting to look at and it's like this towering tree like on black with pink you know it's sort of there is like a melancholic aspect to it it's you know it's right about to it's about it's a very fall tree like mm -hmm. it's really losing all those blossoms and instead of white now they're like the brownish color it's the hydrangea um i i don't know it's so there's so much tenderness of like the tiny little parts like reaching reaching and then you know dying and bending and it's beautiful I mean all those things have so much feeling for me mm -hmm. and then sort of like the there's like so much black in this painting it's got like a really almost foreboding sense even though there are all these florals mm -hmm. um, but that one black part um, with the patterns is sort of funny like the way it's drawn is sort of almost comical because it's so um, it's a little bit cheerful but don't know yeah i feel like this one can go depending on where you're at on any given day it could answer that call like this this is entirely optimistic to me today yeah and not i mean the, the palette and maybe sort of the the macabre nature of of the lean of that tree and the yeah. sort of skeletal form of it mm -hmm. yeah it could go it could go to somewhere like a bit um a bit more uh, blue or sad in a way or whatever whatever adjective yeah. you want to use but it, it straddles that line which I like yeah and it's protective it's like this mm -hmm. you know this this piece of nature would they're just so amazing these trees they just go up and up and up and over and mm -hmm. they make flowers like they're so hopeful and it just it does feel protective in a way I don't know. It's kind of got it all in there. The scale plays a role in that. <laughs> I think the scale is important in that protection yeah. as well because it's bigger than you. It's yeah. bigger than me. That's what, probably eight feet tall maybe, seven and a half? Uh, let's see. Where's the eight foot? I'm looking for the seam on the wall. It's a little more than eight feet. Okay. Um, so it's a, that's a big painting in my book. Yeah. Um, and that, the power that comes from something that big combined yeah. with the 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 dynamic moves and shapes and the arc of that tree, it creates a canopy and, yeah. um, you know, almost like a, sh like a, uh, a mental shelter. And that I sort of understand that idea of protection. I don't know. Maybe that was a little heavy handed no, for me to no. say. No, no. Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't ask you about was, um, how you connect all these different shapes. This is going back to process, but are you sewing them together or gluing? Oh, it's just glue. It's just glue. Yeah, I it's it's yeah, I get them together on the wall and I kind of I'm moving them constantly and then I pin them mm -hmm. very intensely on the wall yeah. and then I just put them on the table and uh, the gluing process is kind of a long process too cuz they're often layered in a kind of complex way and I have to get under and above and Okay. Um yeah, 
Yeah, it's just glue. I I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think I'm interested in. I am. I am interested in sewing, but these are so the right. shapes are so weird that I cut out and it would just be too hard. For yeah, me. it's like a um, practicality thing in a way. Yeah, and time and energy and efficiency start to come into play. And that I, makes sense to me that it's glue. Yeah, and I have done so. I have sewn on really large fabric pieces before, uh-huh. and it's not pleasant. Like how you have to like it all like lumps up under the sewing machine mm-hmm. and oh i just don't like that like the glue is like almost like a paint line and that feels that feels much more satisfying yeah. to me um a friend in common um that knows your work well um i asked him like if there's any anything you'd love to hear her talk about uh, lauren talk about and he he riffed on the like historical aspect of the materials that you use as they relate to femininity um, fabrics, images of flowers, um, collage, and wondered if you embrace that or you um, see it as sort of an act of defiance in this like moment in time where um, women are supposed to revolt sometimes to, to these historical narratives. Um, I mean... I know it's a tough one, but I'm wondering if, if you, if where you find yourself in, in, in that line. I mean, I feel like, um, it's hard for me to kind of accept that fabric would be women's painting because my favorite artists in fabric happen. Well, some of them happen to be men like Alan Shields, for example. Sure, There's always exceptions to the rule. Um, for sure. And I don't mean to like say like fabric is no, no, I'm not saying that you're, you're pigeonholing (laughs) it, but that is a very common, you know, um, thing is that this is like part of a women's work, but you know, for me, like Alan Shields is like a huge, huge hero. I love his work so much. And Mm -hmm. he is, I think in a way, maybe he is more, um, being more bold than I'm being bold Mm -hmm. by maybe being a man and so then I am saying that it's (laughs) it's so complicated Uh, I don't know I feel like um, I am a feminist I really care a lot about feminist issues Um, but I don't really I don't really let that um, like the decisions I make to use certain materials I'm sure that's a part of it but it's not so um, well maybe with the sewing I was like oh I don't want to get into that I don't want these to look like quilts I love quilts, mm-hmm. but these aren't quilts. These are paintings. Sure. Quilts can be paintings too. Yeah. I love quilts. I mean, there's a lot of, cr- <laughs> there's a lot of crisscrossing and bridges between all these different forms that you just went down there. Quilting, uh, you know, they're not sewn, but they kind of look like they're sewn sometimes. A lot, most people think yeah. they're sewn. I mean, I think for me, like, I always make really big things and bold gestures, so I feel like that's going to be more of a, considered more feminist even than what materials I should I don't know it's so complicated no no I, I think it's 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 an interesting thing to, to wade into and one of the things that I think about with your work is this balance between the the historical idea of what's feminine and the 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 I mean there's there's a, an aggressive nature to the way you're working you're cut you're using something sharp and you're cutting up things that were once whole and ripping them and burning with and the burning and um, there's an element of destruction 
Mm-hmm. And, and maybe the transparent aspects. Yeah, of, like, I mean, holes. I mean, there's, there's, you know, I could argue those are sort of more masculine attributes historically. I know that's confusing though, because sometimes I think those destructive forces are equally feminine. I do think those destructive forces are equally feminine, and boldness and largeness is feminine too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes when I really feel like I'm sticking it to (laughs) whatever it's when I use lots of pink and I'm like I'm gonna use as much pink as I want like take that take all the pink you can get and I think that color is so can be a really political gesture in that way even though it shouldn't be it's just a color I mean I've been dealing with this I teach a after school class to children Mm -hmm. and they were all laughing about a boy who likes pink and purple and it's like something I have to talk about sure what age at that age they're um third and fourth grade yeah so it's something i think about a lot no for sure um oh there was one other point i wanted yeah. to make about that was so the um all the fabrics that are um pattern based are are based on islamic designs from a specific village in india that i worked oh, in yes I, I read about this you traveled to india and you lived spent some time there yeah mm-hmm. i spent a couple i took two trips there working with this um this man irfan and people in his village that make these Ashraki prints. Mm-hmm. But all the printmakers are men. Huh. It's a man's trade. Right. So that is another p- place where I'm like, I, I don't really believe that fabric is, that, is women's is, work. Is that culturally specific to that area or all of India? I don't know. I mean, I only, I studied block printing in two different areas and all men. Oh, huh. Yeah. So... For me, like I don't really have the association that artwork made from fabric is women's, right? Because of the experiences I had right. there, where actually it was weird for me as a woman to be in the block printing studio all day long. They're like, "You were supposed to do other things." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's so much backwardness sometimes. Yeah, everything is always like the the rules are different everywhere. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, you know, you mentioned doing doing an after school program for um, third and fourth graders. And one of the things when uh, uh, we were communicating about coming over that you wanted to talk about was um, becoming a parent. And you have a son that's, uh, how old? He's 20 months. He's 20 months. So um, I guess I'm curious just to enter into this zone. What, how becoming a parent affected your your way of looking at art or way of thinking about being an artist? Was there any sort of change um, emotionally? Um, I mean, I I think time and energy are entirely new concepts after you become a parent, and I'm just wondering how how things are uh, settling in for you. Um, Well, I just lost my train of thought. (laughs) I had an answer ready, and then I was like, oh. No, that might be my fault. No, 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 (laughs) the train caught me off guard. Um, Well, I think one huge part of it oh, I was thinking um, oh um, geez I just totally lost my train of thought about this we can come back to it okay but the one part that yeah. is easy is um, well what we were talking about earlier um, like the looking and the waiting and the three months going by and we have to make a decision yes. and all this yes. so um, like breastfeeding is really good for that mm-hmm. like so much of my t- oh I remember now okay okay so so the part that I forgot that that is like sort of the the underlying component of this change is I feel like if I picture myself before having a child, 
I could like pick everything up and move it really fast and stretch and move and create like I'm talking metaphorically too. I could Mm -hmm. just like change my whole studio in a minute and rip things apart and you know change my practice in a day and just like move really fast and dynamically and just like rip the world open Mm -hmm. like I I feel like I was much more like my ambition and my like aggression was so strong like I was more forceful Mm -hmm. I do not feel forceful now I Hmm. feel I feel weaker and that's something that uh, is really strange Mm -hmm. to feel I feel weaker in so many ways but I don't think it's I don't think it's bad it's just different I feel like I've spent the last two years of my life you know well two and a half years like waiting for this baby like being too big to move not being able to use chemicals having to wait to Mm -hmm. use chemicals again having to wait to make my work in the same way and then having a baby and then spending all day long breastfeeding it's like so physically draining and you're just like sitting for so long but it's so um it just makes your patience like really strong because you like if you are breastfeeding for like five hours a day <laughs> and you're in your studio. And parts of the night sometimes. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. throughout the night. Especially when they're very young. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just like, you just sit there a lot and it kind of, I don't know, your whole, my whole life just slowed down so much mm-hmm. and just the passivity, everything became more passive. Mm-hmm. My life became much more passive. So making these kind of paintings was really great because I could just do so much work just by sitting still because it's so complicated and it's so much visual work so it was really perfect for the these paintings to have to have that passive passive time sure um and we're sitting in your studio and i noticed that there's some of your son's toys around <laughs> and it looks like some of his artwork on the wall yeah he's, which is amazing they're nice paintings. i mean i have my kids stuff up in my studio and at home like any parent but there's so it's so important for me to see that stuff. Yeah. And I learn so much from like I'm looking at this over your shoulder, this little painting guy. Oh, yeah. And there's there's like some moves in there and some like immediate sort of gestures across and like I gotta like I'm taking a mental snapshot of that and I wanna like see what that feels like. Yeah. You know? Um it's nice to see the evidence of him here. Yeah. I mean I know he's out with Papa somewhere right now, but I'm even sitting in a little art table in his chair right now, and it's a. Ve- and I said when we were sitting up, this is a very familiar space for me to be sitting in these small chairs, and I like that when I come to a studio and and artists that are parents don't push that aside or they don't like subscribe to this idea that that it's you know art is this I'm an artist and then outside of here I'm a parent like. I like when it's all sort of blending together and it seems like that's how you're living in here too. Yeah, I mean, I really miss him when I'm away from him. Of I course. I like that we can my husband has a studio attached to here and we can be here a lot of the day. But we do have um now, now that he's a little older, we have more of a schedule where sure. I have like 3 or 4 hours in the morning by myself and then Alex has 3 or 4 hours in the afternoon, so we get you know, we do get time. And I do feel like as he's getting older, I will be able to, re- you know, I'll be able to get that vigor back and that strength back. But mm-hmm. I do feel like there's something about this time of passivity and relative weakness in my life that is really 
precious to me as a human being just to experience aside mm -hmm. from all the other wonderful things of being a parent yeah. there's this other piece that's such a strange surprise mm -hmm. um all of this time of yeah just a lot of waiting time and um using my imagination in different ways mm -hmm. uh, since i am such a physical maker i usually figure things out by making and now i'm sort of you know I, I will do that too but it's also like more like imagining and thinking and waiting mm -hmm. a little yeah. bit. yeah maybe i'll take a sec to describe your studio real quick for listeners um okay uh i built everything here over you know a period of 13 years i've built all these yeah, you've walls. been here a long time yeah uh -huh. yeah i'm really lucky to have this like beautiful space it has awesome windows looking at the j train <laughs> big sky yeah you've uh, got the train going by yeah obviously we can hear it yeah, and lots uh -huh. of yeah, lots and, lots of and this big table right in the center, I'm, I'm I keep looking at because below it is storage and it's all your fabrics and it just looks like this pile of wonderful, like like clown costume laundry <laughs> or something like that because it's yeah, it's messy. I mean, it, um, no, but it's great. Like yeah, I like so sort of want to go in there and just sort of like let them float. You yeah, know? Um, <laughs> but on the top, I imagine that's where you're gluing the pieces together. Yeah, Is that? yeah, that's the um, that's the main surface I work on. And there's, uh -huh. they can separate. So there's yep. two tables. Um, my studio mate actually built these for me. Awesome. Um, when I was pregnant, because I couldn't work on the floor anymore. Okay. Like, okay, gotta get a little bit more upright. Like, yeah, which was sad because I really love having just an open, empty floor space mm -hmm. but i love these tables so much yeah. it's really helped yeah i've got a work table like that as well yeah. um you've got a lot of plants along the window so there's nature in yes. here which makes sense so important you've got this really lovely piece of stained glass catching light through the windows um you have some paintings stacked up in the back but it's mostly cleared out in here because you had a show recently. And yeah. A majority of your work went to the show. Yeah, they're they're uptown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and maybe this is a good spot to uh, to talk about how you prepare for a show, and if you have like a strategy as you enter as you enter into it, or do you just make stuff and then pick your favorites, and then install it, or is it a collaboration with the gallery? I mean, how do how do how, yeah. do you, how, I mean, do you, how do you set yourself up for a show? Yeah, it's different depending where I'm showing. Um, when I work with Ryan at Halsey McKay, he really gets involved, which is awesome. He really wants to help curate the show and really, um, you know, hang the work in a specific way. And I feel like his vision is, you know, more of a collaborative yeah. thing. Um, but then this show that I recently did, or that's up right now at Cezanne and Benetier, it's... Um, it was it was really oh sorry it was really like kind of m more just me like they came to the studio over a f six months you know before the show checking it out and you know I could see okay they like these so I kind of kept that in mind um, but when it came time to hang the show it was really my own thing this time which is a lot of pressure mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> but also fun sure and you included um these new ceramic pieces that you're making can you yeah. talk about those a little bit and how they might relate or not relate to to your fabric pieces yeah so i've been making ceramics since like high school and then um since i've been in new york like on and off for the last 10 years i'll go into the ceramic studio and just make a ton of like dishes because mm -hmm. i love eating off of homemade so I'll do that every couple of years and make presents for everyone in my family. And I don't know, I just started like really being interested in ceramic artists I knew who were making like artworks out of ceramics. And I just 
I kind of wanted to make my own. Yeah. <laughs> so I just made these. Um, I started making these manipulated slab pieces um, two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't show them. I just kept them. I just had them on a shelf and just kept making these weird forms that were like seashells or like masks. Um, and then, yeah, I showed them for the first time with at Hoxie McKay and then again at Cezanne and Benetia right now. And um, they're so funny because with my paintings, I'm using this really soft material fabrics and I'm stretching them as tight as possible and making them like... Yeah, almost like a drum. I yeah. Mean, that's... No, cliche to say, but yeah, yeah. And they're very taut. And mm-hmm. then these are like these very sturdy, solid objects, but they're wrinkly like fabric. And really fragile. They're really fragile. I mean, your paintings are durable, but they don't look durable. I mean, yes. they don't register as durable. Right. The ceramics look durable, but they're actually quite fragile. So there's a contradiction there. It's kind of nice. Yeah, they're so hard to make because lifting them when they are um, bone dry is just you know they're just like waiting to be mm-hmm. collapsed into a million pieces mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of them did break in the process of making them um, but the thing that's really fun about them is uh, since this process that I'm working on is sort of it's not that loose the painting process I mean the painting is painting it's work it's but it's not like an abstract expressionist yeah and, and in any way yeah yeah um, so these I can really just be immediate and rough and aggressive with the clay and with the the paint I can with the glaze I can be very painterly mm-hmm. and it just feels so like such a relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of have an abstract expressionist background in the way that I would make paintings yeah. and sculptures in the past. So these feel like this just like going home in a way. Um, yeah, the tempo is much different in those than the fabric pieces, but they I think they complement each other in an interesting way. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I, I don't know. I had never really, um, I had never thought of showing them together before, mm-hmm. but other people made the connection. I, I sure. sort of went with it. And, and and even just in an, exi- in, in an installation, like that rhythm break, yeah. and even the contour of the ceramic you know it's a more organic form which connects to some of the organic shapes of the fabrics yeah. that are stretched into a rectangle or a square so i mean i, I feel i mean yeah, there's plenty definitely. of connections for yeah. me as a viewer yeah which are nice just real quick i keep returning to this oh. painted sun up on i, yeah. I think it's a, a represents a sun it's a yellow circle painted high in a wall on a fairly bare wall and it's such a nice little gesture up oh, there. Oh, thank you. That's so. That's such an old mark. When I first moved into this space, it was totally open. Uh-huh. The whole raw space was open, and all these white walls and big brown floor. Um, and we, I don't know. It was just so joyous. It yeah. was just unbelievably joyous. And on the J line by about Hughes, I think there was this beautiful old gray brick building. Um, I think it was abandoned. And it had this bright fluorescent yellow sun painted at the top of it mm-hmm. and I just loved it so much to me it was like the sign of hope and that artists were living in these artists were moving around these abandoned spaces and getting to have their life as artists yeah. and so I felt like when I found this place it was just it was like the biggest dream come true to me and I drew my own sun up there yeah. and the funny thing is I was with Julian yesterday and he was painting that's your son's name yeah he was like painting with yellow and he was like yellow and then he said yellow sun i was like yes the sun is yellow and then he pointed to that yeah, and he yeah. said yellow sun that's great like, oh wow 
you noticed that. It was yeah. really cute. It feels like a, it feels to me like a great de-stressor too. And like one of the things I talk to artists about are sort of strategies to like calm oneself down in the studio when things are challenging. And one of the tricks, I mean, I'm I'm just identifying with this mark up there, as I learned in a drawing class because I used to get stressed out as a student. And an instructor said, "Type a tape a little um, index card at the top of your easel and write the word relax on it. And when you hmm. get get in a spot, just read that. Oh, and it's like, a, nice. it's very simple yeah, one liner, so nice. but it worked for me. So for years I've, in every studio I've been in, I climb up a ladder and take like a Sharpie and write relax in the corner. Oh, that's so and nice. It, and it's, that sun is functioning the way that my little relax note works for me. Yeah. As this sort of guide in a way or, or reminder yeah it's it's sort of, yeah it's i think always, tricks like that are good in the studio oh yeah that's yeah. i'm gonna try that <laughs> yeah i feel like it's sort of this like reminder of joy and having it always like looks nice next to whatever painting is over there to have yeah. a big yellow circle yeah i mean i mean the, the your son's paintings and these these um painted fabric pieces uh, next to this painting with and then there's space and then the yellow sun up there it's almost like that could be an installation and and function <laughs> in a exhibition space i oh, think um you know before we turned on the mics i was asking you how your show went i hope you're comfortable going back into this yeah. and i said how are you feeling about your show and you said i don't know it just feels weird and we sort of <laughs> talked about it's a very common thing yeah. when an artist has a show you're and i mentioned yeah it's com- you're, you're completely vulnerable um we have to manage our expectations about yeah. feedback and putting ourselves out for judgment but I'm wondering if you talked about why it feels weird for you yeah well I feel like um I don't know I feel like you want this kind of return like this show I've been preparing for for almost two years the gallery um they were going to open up maybe a year ago and mm-hmm. so I knew I was going to have a show in New York and so yes. I, was, I should mention real real, real quick they their New York space is fairly new. Yeah, this is their second they're show. They're primarily in Paris. Uh, there's or, one or, in Paris okay. and Luxembourg. Luxembourg. There okay. was one in Geneva, Saint okay. Etienne. So, so this, this New York is a new operation. It's, it's new. Okay. So I've been you know really excited. I was so excited to have the show in New York with them, for you know for two years. I've been working on these paintings and developing a body of work that I would feel excited about showing in New York to my peers, to you know people who mean a lot to me. Um, and you just sort of, I don't know, you put so much of yourself into these paintings and you think about the communication that you want to offer. And it is too much to ask. Um, you always sort of feel like, I, I just feel like there's like, you want some return, something yeah. that mirrors all of what you put in. You want that to be reflected back to you. and. I just don't think that really happens in the way you expect it to. Right. At least not right away. And, you know, so the opening was wonderful. I felt so happy. Everyone was so nice. And I was like, this is great. And then the next day, I just felt so, like, I don't know, vulnerable, exposed. Like, oh, did I hang too many paintings? Is there, you know, am I showing too much? Am I, like, putting too much out there? What am I, you know, it's just, like, very um, self-conscious. Sure. And then I'm sort of just waiting, you know, it's this time of the show being up and and waiting for feedback in a way that is really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is a this is a common feeling that we all experience because like you said, it was a two year effort um to prepare for this and make work for this and figure it out. 
And then there's an opening, which is one night, and everyone comes out and celebrates it, and you have fun. But you're right. The next day is like, well, now what? I did, yeah. That was two years. And yes, like, you know, if I'm going to be completely honest, and I'll, I, I can't speak for you, but you, you want, when I think of return, you want positive feedback from your friends and family first. Like, that's who I make work for, myself and my friends. And outside of that, I hope other people like it. You want sales because you want to put, you want to pay your rent and you want to put food on the table and you, and you want to pay off debt or whatever it is. Um, and then I, I would put on top of that is like another door opening up to another sort of opportunity to yeah. do something like this again. Um, sometimes one of those happens. Sometimes a couple of those happen. Sometimes none of those happen. Yeah. And there's no real way, or I'm just not good at pre predicting or figuring out how to like consistently like get those returns and i don't know that some artists are probably good at that i'm not one of those people yeah. but i wonder i don't know is when you if you had if you I mean, this is a tricky question but if you could make a list of returns that you'd like um, would they be similar to the ones I just listed or yeah, different? Yeah, and I think also just I am such a follower of what's happening in the art world all the time, and mm -hmm. I just want to be a part of that dialogue. Like, sure. I want to be, um, you know, I want to be, I want to be speaking through my work to the work I'm following and looking at and, you know, spending my, devoting myself to the pursuit of understanding and, mm -hmm. you know, working with, um, I kind of think, though, no matter how this show goes, I'm going to feel a little bit, I'm going to feel off because, uh, you know, I, my schedule is different now. I don't have the same drive to complete all these paintings. I feel like now is a good time to change, change up my materials a little bit. I want to try some new things. Like I've, I really made such a push to finish this body of work. And now um, it's kind of left a bunch of things open. Like, what do I want to do next? Like, how do I want to, um, how do I want to explore you know, I feel like one thing I've been really wrestling with is the, the sculptures, like the the physicality of them is so gratifying to me. And how do I bring some of that back into the paintings? And how do I maybe move away from some of the chemicals I'm using with the bleaching? And um, so I do feel like it is a fine time to take a break and sort of recalibrate and try different things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's, that's just uncomfortable. I feel like no matter what, uh, that's going to be, you know, tricky. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wanted to be a different type of artist? Do, do, do you have space in your brain for, I don't know, like there's moments where I would like, I want to be a carpenter this month and that's not reasonable sometimes or realistic, but I'm, I'm just curious, like if you could be a different type of artist, what type of artist might you be? Well, I, I feel like my practice always kind of changes. Like now it's like, you know, these, this body of work I started in like 2000, maybe the end of 2000. 14 so it's like two and a half years of these specific materials but before that I was using similar materials for another four or five years so mm -hmm. that's about seven years of this process but before that I was making work that was you know really sculptural and really messy and using found materials instead of materials I'm making myself um, mm -hmm. so I feel like the my my like uh my strategies always shift yeah very slowly but sure, <laughs> they sure. shift and shift yeah um, incremental yeah shifting. yeah so i do feel like right now like i do want to imagine like what's like what else do i want to include or 
you know, how do I want to shift things to include other things, but still keep some parts and, yeah. um, but I still want to be a painter. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've known your work for, I don't know, eight years maybe I've been paying attention to it. And I see a nice development from the works eight years ago to now. It all makes oh, sense thanks. to me. So I see it. And that incremental change and growth is there and it feels healthy to me. Thank you. Um, we talked a little bit a second ago about driving forces and what keeps us driving and um, moving on to the next project. Is there anything on in that realm that, that you could mention? Well, I feel like, again, it kind of goes back to like my, my bodily experience of making artwork and how I long for it. It's something I've, you know, really gotten used to the sort of like, it's just such a like redemptive relief to like make marks and to use, you know, to use liquids. It's just really, um, so deep for me. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, I, sometimes it doesn't even matter what I'm going to make. I just need to keep that, um, experience of being like submerged and being able to go in these lucid spaces in my mind. I think it helps me, you know, just exist well. Yeah, that's well said. You know, I saw your show. Oh, and, cool. I mean, you know, talking about the um, insecurity that we feel after the show and, like, what's happening. I mean, I, I, I'm just one person, but I would feel entirely, like, I would feel entirely confident if I were you. I mean, it's a strong <laughs> show. The scale is really impressive. The shift from the ceramics to the paintings. Um, and I sort of talked about this one as feeling like a canopy, like holding me or giving me a hug. I mean, some of those oh, paintings do that blue for one me. Is a canopy, that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, thank you. You know the transparency aspects of them. I I feel like these are entrances for me to go in and out as a viewer, and I stay in there. So they're they're really successful for oh, me as a viewer. You. So, so um, nice other people should go see them. <laughs> but um, thank you for doing this, thank and you. it's it's. Thank you so much. I feel like our worlds overlap each other in yeah. a few different ways yet we've never met so it was really nice to be able to do this with you yes and thanks thank so, you much. so much and do you feel feel best. good about it yes all my right. questions are so thoughtful great and interesting thank great you. well thanks lauren thank you <laughs>